want to talk to you for a few moments about fasting for spiritual renewal. And as we look towards the new year, we always want to start our year with a, a season of fasting. Now, you might not be used to that. In fact, you might have been at this church for a long time and you haven't yet engaged the time of fasting. Trust me, I've been doing this for, I don't, I don't know, 12 to 15 years. I've done a 21-day fast in the beginning of the year. I've led large numbers of people through it, and I understand how it can be. Sometimes, um, as individuals, we don't engage an all-church fast, or we say, well, I don't know, it seems overwhelming. There are many ways that we can engage this time together, but the important part is that as a church, we are a family of families, and there's something about unity that as we come together, God does amazing things in the midst of all of us, and maybe you're not going to be the full benefactor of this fast and even your pressing into God, but what if the person next to you is? And that's what it is to be the church of Jesus and to be a family of families is that sometimes as we press into God, the person to our right or left or in this big family that we call church experiences his power as a result of us doing what God calls us to as part of, as a part of one another. And as we approach it every year, I, I want to pray and ask the Lord, what is our focus or what's a categorical emphasis that we would be drawn to? And this word kept coming to me and it was the word renewal. It was the word renewal. And that word, uh, to my knowledge, doesn't have a lot of baggage, but it might to you. I don't, I don't actually know, but I'm the person that always wants to go to the dictionary for help on definitions. I love etymology. I'm very interested in the definitions of words. And I know that you are asking tonight, Ben, what does the word renewal really mean? And friends, I want to tell you, I came through for you tonight. The word renewal means this as you pay so close attention. Number one, the act of beginning something or taking back up what you once did. It means to replenish what is lacking or to restore what is lost. It means to make something like new or bring it back. Come on, say bring it back. I, I like that. That'll preach right there. That'll be my message this weekend. It's called bring it back. To bring it back to its original condition of freshness and vigor. How many of you are interested in renewal in your spiritual life right now? As we fast, we are asking God for spiritual renewal, that it would touch every area of our life, every area of our church, and cause us to rise up. Now, there are a lot of things that we in life engage with where we use the word renew. For example, I was just thinking about a driver's license. We renew. We renew a contract for housing or employment. But I don't think any of those, were, those scenarios of life convey what it is that we're after in this fast. The best illustration that I think I could come up with for you tonight would be that of a house remodel. Because the word remodel is actually a synonym of the word renewal. And you knew that, of course. But I've been a part of many remodel projects. If you've listened to me for any length of time, you know that that was my thing in the past, and that was my former life, okay? So I've been a part of like 21 whole house uh, remodel projects and many different kinds of remodels. So for example, some remodels, we would freshen up the house. 
You might paint the cabinets, you paint the walls, you put a few light fixtures in. Some of you are doing this right now. You, you might get new flooring, but it's not that big of a deal. It feels like a lot, but it isn't like some other remodels where you basically tear out everything, you remove walls. Come on, there's a few of you shaking your head because you're doing those things too. How many of you have done those kinds of remodels in your life? And you're literally having PTSD as I'm talking about it. And you're like, don't bring me back to that. No, but I'm using it as an illustration to say that what we're seeking is often in this sense of renewal is this, is this remodel. And we are not the ones that can do that work in our hearts. God has to do that work. So when we take a step towards God, he begins to remodel the inside of our life. God commits himself with his power to do the things that we can't do. And he's able to do that. Some of us might need to freshen up the kitchen, you know, in our soul. Some of us might actually need a very serious renewal. We may need a real serious studs out whole house remodel and renovation in our soul. That may be what we need. But either way, we're all, I believe, as we engage this fast, going to experience a sense of renewal. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said in the book, Mere Christianity. I like this quote. I remember it when I think about these illustrations. He said, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. At first, perhaps you can understand what he is doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably, that's not a word I would use, and does not seem to make any sense. In other words, God starts to do things inside your soul that don't make a lot of sense to you. I didn't know he needed to do that. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of. Throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace and he intends to come and live inside it himself. Come on, that, when we talk about experiencing spiritual renewal, what I love about what he's saying is we all need an upgrade as to what God wants to do in our life. I don't want a little add-on. I don't want a little freshen up. Maybe what we need is a total redo, and God's the only one that has the pure vision for that and the ability to get it done. And this is what he's talking about, and I want us to have God's vision and his version of renewal in our life. We're asking God for that. Friends, apathy is not our friend. We, we want to declare war on passivity in this season. We are declaring war on a passive spiritual life that doesn't help us or anyone else. God has more for us than that. We're not to be a decent little cottage. God wants to make us a palace. Come on, amen. In order to do this well and properly prepare us for this season of fasting, I want to talk a little bit with you, and I'm going to hit you with a lot of bullet points. But look what the author of Hebrews in chapter 11 and verse 6 says, as we set ourselves with great faith to this task. He says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Park right there. If what we're after in our life, if what we're seeking for God to do does not require faith, we need an upgrade. If what we're asking God to do, we can accomplish without him, I'm telling you, we need an upgrade. 
God, I pray that you would do this, but I could really do that without you anyways. One of the things that the Holy Spirit was putting in my heart over this time, this last week where I was away for a couple days just praying and reading scripture and seeking God and worshiping, one of the things he put in my heart was, Ben, it wasn't because of the song, but I want you to make room for me to do things that you cannot do. I want you to make room for me to do things that you cannot do. I want you to allow space. I want you to step back and I want you to pray for things to happen with a specific type of prayer so that when it happens, you know that I did it. And that regard, that's in regards to our family and our church and all of that. So what I'm saying is we can't just pause at some of the things that we can conceive and see, yeah, that could happen. I'm, I'm pretty sure that can happen. Friends, I think God wants to do a whole lot more than what I think he can do. What I think even I could set my hand to and probably within a week or two's time, I, I could probably get the job done. No, no, make room for the supernatural. Make room for the, if we're gonna set ourselves to 21 days of prayer and fasting, I'm telling you, make room for the supernatural. I'm believing God to do some stuff that we can't do. So he says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is real or exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God will do on our behalf what we simply cannot do as we come to him with faith. Faith in believing again. Isn't that a great word that one of our members had that God wants to bring us back to a place of believing him again? Those things that we've laid aside, maybe not intentionally, but we've put on the shelf or maybe we've grown weary. The Bible says this, it says, do not grow weary in doing good. Notice the word grow weary. You don't fall into weary, you actually grow into a place of weariness. It takes time. Just like a flower grows, just like a tree goes, it grows, you grow into a weary place. And God wants to remove that weariness and replace it with faith. Faith like a child, faith like a child. The child does not know, they don't understand no. And if they didn't get what they asked for this time, uh, they're gonna ask again. How many of you have kids, you just know what I'm saying? You're wondering when you're gonna stop asking. Well, listen, there's some faith in that child. What is a fast? I'm gonna run through this real quickly. Fasting is when we abstain from food, primarily, for a period of time in order to seek God through prayer. That's what we're doing. To abstain from food for spiritual purposes. It's talked about in the Bible 70 times in the Old Testament and the New. In the Hebrew, the word for fast literally means to cover the mouth. In the Greek, when you see the word fast, it means to abstain but it's always connected to food. In the Old Testament, they only fasted one day a week. They were required to fast one day a week, and that was on the Day of Atonement. All of Israel would fast. They would call other fasts throughout the Bible, though, and when they did that, we even see that in the New Testament, the churches would fast for breakthrough, and they would seek God for specific answers, and the Lord would show up in, in power, and that happens many times. Church history, we see a lot of fasting. Jesus talks about it. But here's some of the reasons why we would fast. Number one is we fast in response to Jesus. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 16, he said, Whenever you fast, implying that we would, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret and what is done there will reward you openly. Jesus says, whenever you fast, the implication is that we will fast at sometimes and in some ways. And he even put the, this concept of fasting as a definition, as it were, of, right, of practicing righteousness. Fasting, giving, and praying were those three things that he talked about in Matthew chapter 6 that were part of the spiritually disciplined life. Now, sometimes, I mean, we all accept praying and for the most part giving as a, as a spiritual practice, but fasting is often the one that is lost. Are you telling me you don't want me to eat food? Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Jesus talks about fasting as something that we do before the Father. We don't do it for men. We don't do it for anyone else. Um, we're not doing it to pull God's arm. We're doing it to draw near to God. And this we must do. Did you know that Jesus fasted? Jesus fasted on several occasions, and it doesn't always say that he was fasting when he was, but you know there was no food around. When Jesus went up on a mountain, it's not like there was food up there. He couldn't fish. There was no river. You understand? So a lot of times when Jesus was fasting, the Bible doesn't say, and he was fasting. But the 13 times where Jesus went alone to be with the Father in the gospel accounts, we know that he was fasting because that is by necessity what he had to do. And so we fast in response to Jesus because he did it and he talked about it. Number two, we fast to humble ourselves before God. We know that pride is the devil's sin, but it can often be our sin as well. And pride isn't where I think that I'm better than you. Sometimes pride is a life lived without God and without acknowledgement of God. It's where I'm not inviting God into that space of my life. Lord, would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you speak to me? Would you help me to follow you in this? Sometimes pride is a self-sufficient life. It's a self-life. It's a what I go after and what I want life. And there are times where we can actually build up selfishness in our life. And that's what a year can do. Have you ever noticed that you get to the end of the year and there are things that you're unhappy about that you have acquired over that year that have grown over a period of time? Maybe you got a little looser with some of the stuff that you're doing. You got a little bit farther away from where you wanted to be. You got a bit looser with your tongue. Am I talking to anybody? I just got some really, <laughs> you got a little, little bit looser with the way that you lived your life. You got farther away from intimacy with God. And the Lord wants to bring us back. I call it a house cleaning. God wants to do a house cleaning. And so we don't fast to like prove like, God, I'm really spiritual now. Will you, will you help me out? No, no, no. We're just drawing near. We're just making a choice in the midst of the things that maybe over a period of time we've acquired and we've become more self-sufficient, we wanna become God-dependent. And so we fast, we lay down our other appetites and we look at the Lord and ask him to touch our lives and God will. Fasting is a God-ordained way to humble ourselves and focus on God's will through prayer and study and seeking him. And we see this throughout the Bible. Something Romans chapter 12 tells us, listen to this. You know this verse very well. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy or what Jesus has done for you, you offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. I think it's interesting that he talks about offering your body, right? Offering your body. And a lot of times, listen, we, f we focus a lot on ourselves. And so when we put ourselves on the 
to the side for a season, it's amazing what the Lord will do. And this is one of those ways, it's a God-ordained way to humble ourselves. And that's fasting is a way of worshiping God through this. Number three, we fast to hear the voice of God more clearly. When Jesus was baptized in water, he was led into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was confronted by the devil, Matthew chapter four and verse one. He was led up by the spirit into the wilderness, it says. After he had fasted 40 days, 40 nights, he became hungry. The tempter, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Now this is from Deuteronomy, I think chapter eight. Listen, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That word proceed, that's a progressive term. It's as God speaks, that proceeds, like a river would proceed. We need the voice of God. Jesus is like, I don't need that which is physical. I need that which is spiritual. It's every word that comes from God. The same God that provided food from a raven, the same God that caused manna to fall down from the sky. All of this stuff that sounds like a fairy tale, God did. God did those things. When people needed miracles, God did it. When people needed to feed 5,000, he caused five loaves and two fish, feeding thousands of people. Like what you need is the word of God. And if God says, I'll provide for you. And if that means you've got five loaves and two fish, he can make that feed everyone. Can't he do it? What we need is the word of God. I don't need I don't need to yield to any other voice. Those voices that tell us this is what you need to do. And that's what you need to know. I need the voice of God. And so one of the things that happens when we focus on God's, uh, on fasting is we hear the voice of God more clearly. One of the things people ask me to pray for over their life is that they would hear the Lord. Well, that's an easy prayer to pray because I believe God wants to speak to us more than we want to hear him. So when I pray for people to hear the voice of God, I usually begin to pray down a road and they want to, you could tell somebody might want to stop me. Like, Pastor Ben, I didn't ask you to pray for all that. I say, Lord, I pray that so-and-so, I'm going uh, to mess with Scott. I pray that Scott would make more space and room for you, Lord. I pray that he would carve out of his schedule. Father, I pray that he would have the foresight to look into his week and know what he must do, Lord, so that he can have the time with you to hear from you. You understand? Hey, you, you, you don't have to say amen. That's fine. But you, like, you can't just pray, God, I pray that you would just remove the blockages. Sometimes we are the blockages, we're not making space. We're not opening our, our time, therefore our, our ears. And so we, we fast to hear the voice of God more clearly and take time with him. We fast to overcome the flesh. And this is Galatians 5.16. I won't read that, but it, it's amazing to me. One of the things that we look at when we see the great fall, the fall of humanity, Genesis chapter three, is it came through the seduction of eating what was on a tree. I just think it's interesting to me. And I find it also interesting that food is one of those things that we all not only have to have, we, have, we all have to physically, uh, we, have, we have to eat, obviously, we have to drink water, but it's an amazing thing that when we deny food, what that will actually do in our lives, that's the hardest thing, one of the hardest things to really do and how that affects us. Now, you might be saying, well, I have a medical condition and I can't deny food. I'm not here to tell you what you have to do. You need to consult with the doctor. I'm not interested in pushing people past medication and um, saying, do it anyways. No, no, that's not what we're talking about. If you can't do that, then you can fast another way. Of course, you can abstain from maybe the things that occupy your time, but primarily fasting is about abstaining from food. And so we want to focus on that. But I would say to you this, that 
Fasting is not um, about uh, just food. It's about setting aside your appetites so that the appetite that you have for things of the Spirit following Jesus can increase. And you'll notice how it will do that. Gluttony is not about food, and greed is not about money, and adultery is not about sex. These are mediums by which we can, uh, we can ov- be overcome, and they reveal brokenness in our life. It- it's important for us to remember, I've, I've heard people for years talk about how the sin of gluttony is basically eating too much food. The Bible isn't talking about gluttony in the sense that if you have too much Thanksgiving food, you know, you're sinning. I mean, we all shouldn't do that, but that's not what gluttony biblically is really about. It's about having too much when other people don't have enough, all right? This isn't like a spiritual fitness plan in the Bible. That, I, I think we misunderstand sometimes the concepts for which a, a thing can be sinful. And so when we fast, we're mindful of God. And, and don't you know, when you're mindful of God, he makes you aware of all the people around you. Isn't that what the Lord will do? He makes your heart sensitive to other people, which leads me to my last sort of point on this. And then we'll sort of go to a, a place of of what the fast is really focused on. But number five is we fast to focus on ministry to others. And I really believe this is what the Lord will do. Um, If you feel like you lack compassion in this season, I talked about it this last weekend a little bit, that compassion seemingly has been robbed from so many of us. And maybe we've allowed that to happen. But if you feel like your compassion meter is real low, or maybe you're not loving people and you want to, of course you want to. We want to love people. I want to have compassion when I see people. I don't want to think bad of them. I want to think the way Jesus thinks about people. And so when we start to fast, God deposits his heart into us in a greater way. And that's what we're asking for. We're saying, Lord, give us your heart. I want to see what you see. I want to feel the way you do. I don't want to assume it. I don't want to think because I'm a Christian that it's automatic the way that I feel is the way that you feel. How many of you know that's a bad place to be when you just automatically think that the way you feel is the way God feels? No, friends, that's that's often not the case. But when you look at Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1 through 12, through the prophet, God rebukes his people on several instances where he's saying, I don't want you just to fast where you put on sackcloth and ashes and you're trying to prove to me that you're spiritual. He goes on to say, isn't the fast that I want for you to break the bonds of wickedness? Isn't the fast that I want for you to go after those that are marginalized and downcast and those that are actually oppressed by the things of life? In other words, I don't want you to try to look spiritual. I want you to come to me and I will transform you into this place and person of being spiritual where you break the bonds of oppression over other people. Well, how do you do that? You do that by having eyes that are open. And we acknowledge, I lack compassion. I lack love. When I see problems, I don't do anything about it. When I see issues, I walk away instead of offer a helping hand. I'm not that person. And when we humble ourselves before God and we're sensitive to him, especially as we're fasting and we're praying, God begins to help us go after things instead of walk away from them. And I'm just being honest with you tonight. I need more compassion in my life. I want more compassion in my life. I want to read Isaiah chapter 58 and say, I don't just want to learn more during my fast. I want to see more. Me and my wife were talking about what we're going to do with our family during the fasting time. We're still talking a little bit about that. But one of the things that I said to her is I said, I don't want our family 
just to like read another devotional book. That's what we tend to do, isn't it? Like, I just want to journal a little bit more. I just want to read a little bit more. And listen, please do that, okay? Like, don't, it's not an either or, all right? That, that's, all right, I know I can do that sometimes. Forgive me, I'm growing. But I said, I don't just want to learn more. That, that's not a Western mindset. Let's get more information because that'll help me. No, 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 let's, let's see more. Let's do more. Why don't you do this? If you have a family or even if you're just a single or however your li- whatever your life circumstance is, why don't you begin to pray for and think about people in your life and maybe one evening a week, you go out and serve another person, whether you think they need it or not. Just have let somebody come to your heart and go and serve them. Show up at their door with a cake or something. I don't know, you know, just... Ask the Lord to speak to your heart. And instead of just reading another book because I want to know more information, why don't we break the bonds of wickedness? Why don't we think about other people? I've got some ideas for you if you're interested. If you're like, I don't know where to go or what to do, I will literally give you addresses of people if you're interested. Yep. What's our address again? (laughs) 1225 Southwest 327th place. I live down the street. You can figure it out. I got a Nissan Maxima. Roll up. Come on, roll up. Roll up. Just... I'll be the distributor for you. You just go ahead and give it to us. We'll get it out. That's usually what happens anyways. I'm saying like uh, during this time of fasting, when you read the Bible, it isn't always just about, it's not just about getting into a room and praying. We start there. But as we go to that place of prayer, God begins to give us his heart. And when God gives you his heart, you've got to let that river flow, right? Let the river flow. So when you see people, you address those needs. Maybe we're normally hesitant or reluctant and God wants us to break out of that bubble. Maybe you're an introvert. I'm not asking you to be an extrovert, but as you begin to step towards the need in your life, watch how God will bless you in the midst of that. It looks like we're giving to someone else and we're making a sacrifice, but guess what happens? Jesus even said it is better to give than to, and you can't know that until you give. And I'm not talking about taking an offering tonight. You won't know, you cannot know the blessing of, of, of giving or, or receiving in the giving until you do it. You can't, you just can't. And that's why it's not a knowledge issue. It's not, oh, I need more information or I want to read another book. That's a Western mindset. We, we get caught up in that. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's bad, but we don't want to give ourselves just to that. Now, the word that came to me for our fasting time was the word renewal. Everybody say renewal because I'm coming down the hill and you're helping me when you do that. And so what are we asking the Lord to do? Look at the back of your paper if you have it. Now look at this. Renew our relationship with God. Renew our vision of discipleship for our household. Renew our commitment to God's people. Renew our vision for God's mission. Okay? I want this to be a holistic renewal. Okay? Sometimes old Pentecostals, they just want glory bumps. We love that. Jared, you can come on up. You can come on up. You guys can come on up. You understand like renewal is that thing that we experience for like weeks and weeks when the Holy Spirit touched the church. Okay, there's, I, amen, God do that. I wanna have awesome meetings, but don't you want renewal like a river to just flood every aspect of your life? When people don't have a definition of revival that involves family and home life and work life and school life and neighborhoods, if that, the definition of revival does not include all of our life, it's not a real definition of revival. If revival is something that we can come and clap to and sing to in a room, but we leave and nothing changes, it's just not revival. And so I'm asking God for that renewal that floods into every area of who it is that we are. We all have different lives and 
different family structures, different needs, but God can flood every space of our life, bringing renewal as we need it. And so the first thing we're going to be asking for is this, renew our relationship with God. We want to spend time in God's word. We have a daily Bible reading plan. We have all that stuff for you. But I want to say this to you. If you don't read God's word every day, I'm not saying this in a legalistic way, but if you don't have a plan, if you're not in God's word, friend, you've got to be in God's word. His word is for us. Number two, spending time in prayer, like going back to a secret place, praying without ceasing, learning how to invite God into everything. This is something we have to be renewed to, spending time in worship, turning things off, turning off music in our life and turning up worship. Even if you're not good at singing, it don't matter, just worship, worship. Come into the house of the Lord and when you come, you know, come prepared, come prepared. Not in in some pious legalism way, but just I'm excited to worship. Raise your hands, don't let somebody tell you to do, just Raise your hands to the Lord or put your hands out. If, if, if you don't want to do this, do this. You know, God, I want to, I worship you. I honor you. Do that in your car as you seek the Lord. We want to ask God to renew our vision of discipleship for our household. How about your vision for marriage? Can I challenge you in your marriage? Just pray every day with your spouse if you're married. Two minutes, one minute before you go to bed, when you get up in the morning, before you leave to work, pray every day with your spouse if you're married engaging in discipleship, reading a book together, but engage something. Do that during this time. How about our vision for parenting, one-on-one time, devotions, share your testimony with your children. I'm putting this out to you. I want you to use this and and you can write in there what you want to do. Our vision for reaching our adult kids. You might say, well, Ben, I don't have kids in my home, but you got adult kids. Maybe you need to be renewed to texting them again. Send them scriptures and they may think, oh, my parents, they're, they're doing that religious thing. Who cares? But pray prophetically, Lord, put something on my heart for my adult kids, even if they're not following Jesus, even if you think they won't listen to you, text them, call them. If you've stopped doing that, let's ask the Lord to renew that in our hearts, amen, for our adult children. During this season of prayer and fasting, where we intercede and we seek reconciliation, we're not gonna give up on anything. We're not giving up on any of our kids. Our vision for inviting others into our family, I would say to you that our family table or whatever your table looks like at your home, it always needs to get bigger. Inviting people into our space. Asking more people into our home. And thirdly, we renew our commitment to God's people, our commitment to gathering together online, in person. We gather as a church around the Lord. We're committed to each other practically and consistently And we're not doing that just because of what we may get out of it, but it's what we give to it. I know that there is so much in our church. So many have the gifts of the spirit, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And yes, it needs to be fit into the right place and and submitted to the house of God. But I just believe that there's so much latent inside of us that God wants it to be fully expressed. And so we pray in this season that as we gather together, there'd be a renewal of the gifts of God in our life. Our commitment to unity with God's people for healing and reconciliation and accepting change and speaking truth and humbling ourselves. Our commitment to prayer with God's people. And and I would say this to you like, I know that not everybody shares my view of corporate prayer, but I I want you to. I'm not saying you don't, but I, I mean, 
I'm asking people to pray. Uh, friends, I'm telling you, like, if we want God to move, we've got to pray. If you read church history, you, you just, it's undeniable. And I believe we've hit a time and a place in history where if we're not a people of prayer, God isn't, we're not going to see God's power. We're not going to see the movement of God. Now, we need to act, too. I know that. We need to s- respond. We need to act. But I've done a lot of acting. <laughs> not, like, hi- hypocritically acting, like, false. Okay. I'm a person who can't stand still. I act. I move all the time. All right? I want to tell you, I've, I've hit a wall. And so I'm in a place where it's got to be God. I, I want you to be there with us as a church. It's got to be God. We got to say stuff to each other like, hey, well, God can do it. You understand? We look at those situations. We, well, God can do that. God can do that, right? Amen. God can do that. And we say that stuff to each other. God can do that. And we're going to pray it through. We're not going to assume it. We're going to pray it. Our commitment to serve with God's people. And, and lastly, we renew our focus on God's mission. We focus, number one, on who we could disciple in this next season. Are you discipling anybody? Who has God put in front of you? And maybe you don't know who, pray about it. And don't say that you don't have anything to give. It's not true. Who would I disciple? Don't talk to Pastor Jared. This guy right here, ask him. He's gonna tell you exactly who you're gonna disciple. That's what he thinks. So, you know, challenge him. Maybe it's somebody outside of the church. Pray about it. We focus on who we could share Jesus with in this next season. You say, Ben, I've never done that before. It doesn't mean you won't have the right word at the right time. It doesn't mean you won't have the right word at the right time. The Lord showed me, um, and I'll close with, I'm, I'm done. I'm closing with this. But we, when I was at a pastoral retreat, it was just yesterday. I told everybody it was in prayer. I was standing in front of this window and I was looking out at the ocean. There was a view and it was basically like when you're in Federal Way and you look towards SeaTac and you're, you see that bay area and it's the ocean out there. And it was not an awesome day. It was raining. But the ocean looked beautiful. I mean, it just, it just looked magnificent. This incredibly deep body of water. And I'm not usually mesmerized by a body of water. That doesn't do much for me. But I just, for some reason, was like, wow, that is incredible. And I had this strange thought. I don't want to go fishing there. <laughs> this is not where I would go fishing. I don't know why I had this thought. But when I think of going fishing, I want to go to the hot spot where it's easy to catch fish. I want to catch five fish. I want to be there an hour. I want to have a good conversation with a buddy. That's it. That's all I want. That's it. I don't want to go out on a boat and wonder if I'm going to get sick and pay some money and figure it out, out if, we've, if we have the right gear and go home with no fish. I don't want to do that. It's called deep sea fishing. That's what that is. I did it once and I do not recommend it. But some of you like it. It's fine. But as I was looking out at this ocean, I felt like the Holy Spirit put these, it was more of a conversation in my heart. He didn't say words to me. It was more of like a, I want you to go deep sea fishing. I want you to go, and I'm talking about souls. I'm talking about people's lives. I want you to be willing to reach into these hard spaces and places and pull out the fish that not everybody's looking for. There were no boats out there on the ocean. I just want you to know yesterday, there were no boats out there. And I can guarantee you in the season of fishing, there are a lot of people fishing in those places of the hot spots, and there's not as many out here. And it just occurred to me that God built us in this region, in this city, in this area, 
to go deep sea fishing. He wants us to go after people not everybody's going after, and he built us to do it. He made us to go after those folks. He, he wants us to be people that are courageous and resilient, willing and able to go after those that God's putting in front of us. And it's gonna cost more, it's gonna take more, all of that, but we already resolve it in our hearts that this is the kind of people that we are. This is the kind of church that we are. This is the kind of city that we've been placed in. I don't wanna go to the hot spot. I don't wanna go where it's easy. I don't just want the cleanest fish. I want to go after those that God is putting in front of us. And that, that is really the call of this hour. And if we're willing to pray that in and reach out in a way that maybe we haven't before, I believe the fruit of God will touch our church in a way we've never seen before. And that's what I'm asking for in this season. Lord, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, give us hearts to, to reach out to people that we know not and maybe we've never reached for. I want God to give us a sense of renewal for his mission where that's what our life is about. That's what our life is about. It's about God's mission. It's about God's mission. So would you stand, I, I wanna pray, and I gave you this paper and you can take it home with you and you don't have to use it, but you certainly can use it. I'm not offended if you don't because some of you already know what you're gonna do. Some of you already have a sense of what the Lord will put in front of your life. But will you gather around this prayer with me for a sense of experiencing the renewal of the Holy Spirit in your life? And let's start by asking God to baptize us with his Holy Spirit fresh. Let's start by asking God to move upon our hearts miraculously, supernaturally. Let's start by asking God tonight to begin to experience renewal that's affecting everywhere that we go and everything that we are. We're not asking for magic to happen as we pray, but we're asking for him to activate something on the inside of us. And so do that with me as we pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We ask you tonight for spiritual renewal. I pray for each one of us in this room and those that are with us online. We thank you for our church family that is, that is gathered here, but also gathered around televisions all over the place. We thank you, Father, for moving in power upon our lives. We ask that you would visit us in a very special way during these 21 days that you would lead us into your word and you would lead us into prayer and you would lead us into worship and we would experience a renewal in our relationship with you. I pray that we would experience a renewal in our relationship if we're married with our spouse, with our family, with our children that are in our home, with our adult children that are outside of our home. We prophesy reconciliation. God, we pray that you would activate our reaching out to them. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to do new things in our home, things that we've longed for, things that we've wanted. Even some of us right now, we're, it's like 10 years ago we wanted to do some of this stuff, but the Lord's going to bring it into our hearts today. He's going to begin to do that in our hearts over the next 21 days. Why? Because we take a step. Because we take a step. Lord, give us the courage to take a step without discouragement, without disappointment, without the fear of failure, without the fear of I'm not going to fulfill what I set out to do. We just Ask for that to fade away. We don't want to hear that voice right now. We ask you to hear your voice, Lord. I pray that we could hear your voice in this moment, Lord. Help us to hear the Holy Spirit. God, I pray for a sense of renewal in our church. I pray that as we gather together around the word, there would be an excitement. No matter who opens the Bible, we just want to hear the Bible. We just want to hear it taught. We want to read it. We want to worship together. We want to serve together. We want to express the gifts that you put inside of us. As we gather together, we wouldn't wait for somebody to tell us to do it or invite us to do it, but you would give us 
a sense of path and purpose in all of this where we would know what to do. We would just walk into Northwest Church and, and, and maybe it is that we're texting people throughout the week or we're calling folks or you would put it on our hearts to have renewal in our church, to have a prophetic sense of what you're doing and to share that with each other and to experience that fruit. I pray also for a renewal of your mission, the focus on your mission that in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, and in our schools, among our family gatherings, and Lord, even in this place, we pray, Father, for you to send people here. And I pray that you would take authority over the spirit of religion. And, and, and in fact, I do prophesy this, that the Lord is going to send to us the people that have been burdened by the religious spirit. That we are going to confront at our church the religious spirit, not because we're going to, you know, speak to it directly, but because we're going to introduce grace because we're going to be a people of passion, because we're a people of joy, because we're a people of the spirit. The spirit of religion is going to break over people and they're going to come here. People that are coming out of those molds and that obligation of what they had to do and rather change into a person I get to serve Jesus, love Jesus, receive grace, know him, walk with him. Father, I pray that in this house we would experience so much grace and that religious thing would come off of people and they would walk into freedom. Thank you, Lord. We prophesy freedom, freedom, freedom in the name of Jesus over this house. For some, it's a step of freedom. For some, they're going to experience a whole lot more fulfillment in that area of getting free, free of bondage, free of sin, free of those things that have been plaguing us for so long, or at least take those steps that are necessary to get there. Thank you, Lord, that you're beginning a new thing. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.